and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 118. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have another guest, CJ Klinkscales. Hello. And our conversation today is going to be based around the trials and immense struggles associated with insomnia. So to get the conversation started, my first question for you is actually what experiences you've had with insomnia and when they began to the best of your memory. I've had different bouts of insomnia throughout my entire life. My earliest memory is of laying awake in my room in the dark, looking out the window right next to my bed and thinking of all of the horrible possibilities that could happen to me as I lay there kind of in a dead-like state. That's where the first memory is from. And from that, almost all of the bouts of insomnia that I've had have been this type of like negative struggle with wondering and thinking about all of the potential bad things that could happen to me. Which is really interesting to me because, as I may have said in an earlier episode, some of my first experiences with insomnia, and I've never been diagnosed with it, nor do I frequently suffer from it, but in sixth grade for me, when I first learned what death was and hadn't really ever been made aware of it or contemplated it thoroughly, I had a month, maybe two months of my life where I couldn't fall asleep when I went to bed and spent hours actually thinking similarly dark thoughts about my lack of control and losing people in my life and other similarly sad topics. And I'm really intrigued by this tendency to go to that vulnerable and sad state when you can't fall asleep, because I think it might indicate something about human nature and negativity. And by that, I mean that when you're in your bed, you're in a very vulnerable state, both mentally and physically, and also your day's winding down. There's not much left ahead of you that you need to think about or to accomplish. And I'd be really curious to know if you have a similar impression of the way insomnia affects people, because it does seem to be across the board a negative experience when people can't fall asleep when they want to, which to our listeners may sound like an obvious point, but it's worth delving into, in my opinion, because numerous people suffer from it, and I don't think everyone has the same experience with it. To touch on a few points there, I completely agree. The moment, my first memory that I was talking about earlier is actually when I was contemplating death for the first time after a family member of mine had died. It was actually my namesake, and it was a few years afterwards, and it was that moment when it first hit me, the true meaning of death, the marking of potential non-existence. And that was something that's incredibly scary, especially to a child. So I guess what I'm trying to get is that I too share a lot of the same roots maybe that you do too. And actually throughout my entire life, it takes me about at least an hour to fall asleep every night. So there's that struggle that individuals with insomnia and there's obviously like much more severe cases. And it's on a clear spectrum, but Individuals with insomnia and people who experience those times in their life do almost always tend to seep towards the negative. And, you know, that's clear in what a lot of studies have shown about insomnia's link to depression and anxiety. And that's very clear and makes a lot of sense. But the question as, as to why is really interesting. And I think that it does potentially have to do with that idea of feeling physically vulnerable in your bed. And then that kind of leads you down this path of the parts of your day that you don't necessarily think about consciously, but more on a subconscious level, that then kind of get uprooted at night when you're laying there and you can't sleep. And then you start thinking about the parts of your day that you subconsciously kind of digested 
And then it's rising up again. And lots of times while you're pushing it to your subconscious in your day-to-day life is because you don't want to think about it at that time. With insomnia, especially for myself, it's at that time, at that hour, two hours potentially, however long it is right before you fall asleep is the time to think about all the things that you chose not to think about during that day. I really like that a lot, especially a lot of your vocabulary there, including digesting and thinking, which to me evoke imagery of very natural processes. It's natural as a person to digest both thoughts, but more typically food and nutrients. And it's also natural as a person to think, to mentally process the environment, the people, every piece of information around you. And I bring these up because to me, one of the terrors or anxiety invoking aspects of insomnia is how unnatural I think one might feel as a result of it. Because there is perhaps in an unconscious sense, this idea that you're not doing something your body and mind both know that you should be doing. And of course, sleep is vital for both the body and the mind. But I think the idea that you aren't doing something that on an individual level, you know you should be, is a form of shame in a way. I've often felt when I can't fall asleep in a way that I don't know I've ever articulated until now, that I'm being in some way unnatural or doing something unnatural in failing to fall asleep. And that's never a great feeling because we stigmatize whatever we think is artificial or peculiar in some way. Robots are strange. Artificial intelligence is strange. And the idea of anything that is unnatural or monstrous is negative. Do you think there's any linkage between insomnia and feelings of being unnatural on some level? I do agree. I've had many similar experiences. And in fact, I think on a nightly basis, most people with insomnia, including myself, would probably state that there's this idea of failure that is attached to having insomnia, or maybe not even insomnia, just the inability to fall asleep. Even when a normal, like someone on normal sleeping habits who can fall asleep, you know, in the average of, you know, whatever it is, I think it's like seven to 15 minutes, which, you know, would be a godsend for someone like me. But if someone like that spends an hour, maybe even only 30 minutes trying to fall asleep, There's this overwhelming sense of anxiety that's attached to it, and the anxiety feeds the process. And to that extent, I think that anxiety could be part of that link between the natural and the unnatural, and feeling unnatural, feeling strange, feeling like a failure is very common. But at the same time, as we've spoken about this before, there's this feeling of the unnatural in not falling asleep. But in the aftermath of it, when we were talking earlier about the next day, there's this type of heroicism that's attached to lack of sleep or not being able to fall asleep for hours on end or, you know, I only got four hours of sleep last night and look at me now. There's this very clear heroicism that is attached to that notion. And it's something that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because especially for individuals like you and I that have experienced the strange, unnatural failure that's associated with it, why is it that society believes it to be such a positive thing? I'm really glad that you've brought up these ideas of abilities and failure and, of course, heroicism, which I'm going to come back to, because I think inherent in discussing insomnia, especially for those who suffer it on a very severe level, is this difficulty in articulating what it actually is. Because for most people who can fall asleep easily, it isn't really an ability in their minds as much as it is a part of their day. People don't think about things like breathing or eating because for most of us, it's so essential that we don't have to think about it. And therefore, 
it becomes very uncomfortable and strange to try and articulate what it is we do on a daily basis without any sort of cognitive process attendant to it. And so I hope more conversations happen and are happening surrounding issues like insomnia because the more you talk about it, the more you do find the language to describe it and point out that sleeping, although we may not think of it this way, is for many people just a natural ability and that there could be a lot of empathy gained in trying to discuss what insomnia feels like and how it affects a number of people who struggle to fall asleep. And finally, to touch back to that heroicism that you mentioned earlier, I think part of it comes from this idea of sleeplessness as some kind of valiant battle and the idea that, well, you were working really hard on some college essay or any kind of schoolwork typically or other kinds of work that kept you up. And that means that your lack of sleep shows dedication. And it's very interesting because in countries like Japan, people are often rewarded and encouraged to sleep at their offices, for example, because that lack of sleep is associated with hard work and dedication to one's job or career. But in our case, and I'm thinking specifically of privileged, often white, middle-class individuals who, in our case, have attended a relatively prestigious college, not getting a lot of sleep is really one of those few battles that we have. We've never wanted for food or better plumbing or issues that people elsewhere in the world absolutely have to deal with. And I have this theory that when people don't have genuine struggles to deal with, I think they tend to make their own because that idea of being a human being and overcoming great obstacles is something that's essential in our literature, in our mythology, in our history as a species. And I think it can get a bit grandiose because you're depriving yourself of sleep to later talk about how heroic you are. It doesn't really make any sense. And I think it gets tangled when you talk about insomnia because for people like you or in the few cases that I've suffered from it, it's not a choice. It's something you're forced into by chemical imbalances or other things that are causing the insomnia. But having been a bit verbose in my explanation, what do you think about that theory of why that sleeplessness is perceived as heroic? As far as your theory goes, I completely agree. I think that for lots of individuals like ourselves and other people that are in similar situations to us, we as human beings strive to be like the majority. No matter how hard we try, no matter what group you're a part of, you know, in your high school or your college, you know, it doesn't matter which table you sit out at lunch or whatever it may be. At the end of the day, we're all trying to fit in to this general type of majority. And the majority of people have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They have to overcome these struggles. And for some individuals, they don't have as many struggles. Not to say that each individual doesn't have very specific struggles of their own, no matter what background they come from, that's always apparent. But again, lots of individuals like you and I and our peers will create this barrier, will create this potential struggle to overcome in order to make themselves feel a part of society, to feel part of the norm. And that's great, especially when you're in an environment that promotes hard work and a struggle to obtain a good grade or high remarks or whatever reward you're seeking. It shouldn't necessarily come easy. And I think that the inability to sleep or showing that you stayed up late shows that you were working hard. And to bring it back to the condition or disorder of insomnia itself, on a personal level, I'm really curious to know if in your discussions with people, 
you felt any sort of shame from others or misunderstanding. And perhaps as a preceding question to that, do you feel comfortable sharing it with most people you know, or do you try to keep it relatively close to your chest? That's a very good question. I would first start off by saying that it's something that I have struggled with a lot of my life, but mine is not necessarily diagnosed. I would say that I fit all of the criteria from what I've read, what I've come across. I do clearly have some type of insomnia on the spectrum. I think to myself, especially from what I know about insomnia, a more milder form than most people. You've seen movies like The Machinist, where it drastically affects a person's psyche. And that's some of the implications of the disorder at a extreme point. And bringing it back to the first question that you asked, yes, it is something that I do share with people. It's not something that I necessarily keep close to my chest. And part of the reason why I don't do that is because it's a part of me. We were talking earlier about how individuals that struggle with insomnia, it's a part of their daily life. And someone who falls asleep at a normal rate on a normal basis, they don't understand that. And as someone who does struggle to fall asleep every single night, no matter what, it's an important part of my day. It's a part of my day that I sometimes fear, and it's a part of my day that I sometimes love. And I think in all aspects of life, you have the positive and you have the negative, and thus it's clearly a part of me. So I figure might as well share that with other individuals. And it's not the icebreaker that I bring up, but it's definitely something that I touch on. And then when I bring it up and it becomes a topic of discussion, people usually react negatively to it to a certain extent. They kind of think that it's a flaw of sorts. It's kind of like my Achilles heel that pulls me back to a certain extent, especially because for me in particular, during that hour or two before I can actually fall asleep, that's where a lot of anxiety-provoking thoughts that I have are brought up. And a lot of my friends and close individuals see that as a type of hindrance to my happiness or to me as a person, whereas I completely disagree. And as I said earlier, it is a part of who I am, and I enjoy that aspect of myself. I do enjoy some of the anxiety that's brought up. I do enjoy thinking about the things that happen in my daily life that I don't necessarily take the time to contemplate when they initially happen. It's a part of my day that I enjoy, though I know I will still have a struggle with. And earlier you had mentioned that it's a part of your day that at times you love and at times you fear. I think I can in large part understand the fear side of it, but I'd be really curious and fascinated even to hear about when you love it and what about it makes you love it in those instances when you feel that response to it. I love it in two aspects. I love it to a certain extent in which I feel like the times when I'm laying there and thinking about every nuanced second of my day and how it's interconnected to a separate part of my life, maybe my past, maybe my present, maybe even my future, that is important to me because even if I'm thinking about something negative or potentially I could be thinking about a positive aspect of it, there's a part of me that in every aspect of life is always trying to connect the dots in a positive manner. And a lot of my friends say that I do this almost to a degree that's faulty. While I, of course, would disagree with that, that is an opinion. And I think that to a certain extent, it does come with its hindrances. And the part that I kind of secretly love about the insomnia, about not being able to sleep, is it's the time in my day when I connect the dots in a negative fashion. 
I let it go in the completely opposite direction of how I think 22 hours out of the day. And that to me is really important because my personal belief is that you have to be able to view multiple aspects of your life, multiple thoughts, multiple events, whatever it may be, from multiple angles. And if you can only see the positive, you're only gaining so much. But if you're able to see both sides of the spectrum, you're gaining a lot, even if it comes at the taxation of feeling anxious or feeling like you're at some type of loss or you're failing or that you're abnormal for whatever reason. That's a part of life. And that's a part of my life. And that's the part that I do truly love about it in a weird kind of twisted way. So I've touched on a lot of my experience with insomnia and how I think about it, how I feel about it. You've obviously mentioned that you've had bouts in your life where you've experienced it. My question is more, what are those derived from? Like, do you find that there's a constant theme between them? I really appreciate that question because there have been days after bouts of insomnia where I look back and try to examine what it was that was stressing me out so much or preventing me from falling asleep. And on certain occasions, it's been a great reminder to take your positive outlook that I should be more reflective. And those bouts of insomnia have fallen during periods where my body in some way and my mind are reminding me that I should be taking a step back and reflecting on something that is stressing me out that I haven't addressed. And so I'll find that, oh, I was thinking about a fight that I'd had with someone that went completely unresolved or I've neglected a project that I was intending to complete, or a promise that I'd made to someone that I hadn't followed through on. And so the insomnia has often triggered me to be more introspective and think about aspects of my life that maybe I hadn't been paying as much attention to. And it has often resolved from interpersonal conflict of some sort, or perceived interpersonal conflict, because I'm not as perceptive as I'd like to be, and oftentimes I misinterpret or misjudge how other people react to the various things that I say or do. And so there will be nights where, in a very dramatic way, I'm up late and can't fall asleep because something I did that day to someone around me left me feeling like I hurt them or made them feel uncomfortable, and that will sit with me for days. And so I don't know if that might fall on the clinical spectrum of insomnia, but it's definitely affected me. And I think the worst part is not knowing the origin of your insomnia, because as people, we do like to connect those dots and solve problems, or at least understand the sources of those problems. And I think that's one of the most difficult things about insomnia, that many people don't know how to talk about it. And on some level, much like any other mental disorder or disorders in general, People are always looking for cures, and in certain cases, it doesn't appear that a cure exists. You simply have to integrate it into your life and mentally process it and cope with it as best you can. But I'd be really curious to know if you've had similar experiences where those who feel sympathy for you try to propose solutions or cures in some way rather than simply asking you how you deal with it and leaving it at that. That's a fantastic question. Pretty much every time I bring it up to someone, they always combat it with, well, here's what you should do. Or have you tried these different breathing techniques? Or have you tried this over-the-counter supplement thing? Or have you tried doing these exercises or something like that? To be completely honest, I have tried just about all of it. And not a lot of it really works. I found that I think maybe the breathing exercises help the most. 
kind of relaxing the body. But to a certain extent, getting back to what I was saying earlier is the reason why I don't necessarily follow through with them is a little bit of pride and a little bit of love for the insomnia. I do enjoy it and I don't necessarily need a solution to it. It does come with its struggles and it does come with many days of waking up feeling incredibly tired, wishing that I had gone to bed those two hours earlier and gained that two hours of sleep because sleep is so drastically important for us as functioning human beings. Absolutely. And I really appreciate your willingness, one, to discuss something like insomnia in such an articulate and candid way, but also that you have that very honest, holistic perspective of its effect on your life and its role, its integral role in your life, because I think a lot of people in your position wouldn't necessarily approach it that way. So I'm legitimately impressed with your ability to do so. And before we close the episode, I'd like to know what you want the audience to consider after listening to us discuss this. I think that the broader message that I would want listeners to take home is this notion of one, mental disorders as a whole, and two, insomnia specifically has characteristics that to that individual are innate and are a part of who they are and what they define themselves as. And that is a very integral part of who we all are as individuals and how we function in the world. Each person goes about discovering different parts about themselves or others or the world around them in different ways. And while, yes, there are, of course, many treatments for many disorders in many different aspects of our lives, and there are always these like quick, easy fixes, I think that remembering to a certain extent to be sympathetic towards the idea that this is a part of that person and that while they may be presenting it to you potentially, especially if you're a friend, family member, someone that's close to that individual, as a problem at hand, yes, of course, they're having some trouble. Yes, of course, they want some type of answer to a certain extent, but remembering that that's not part of them that they want to change necessarily. And maybe you can help them understand how to cope with it as a part of who they are rather than as a part of themselves that they should change. I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's a good reminder to be a wholehearted listener for the people around you. And in the same way that they might try to cope with insomnia as an aspect of who they are, I think for those who are close to those individuals, you should do your best to accept that insomnia as something which is a part of the person you love and treasure on some level. And I'm also reminded that it's a great example of trying to understand something that you may not directly experience because empathy is a very important skill to cultivate and one I don't think we emphasize as a society or a culture very much, but is truly the best way to connect with people because it's so direct and so human of us. And I would encourage anyone listening, whether you're suffering from insomnia or know people who are, to try and reach out to others for a better sense of understanding. And if you're personally going through it, to perhaps pursue a more holistic understanding of its role in your life. And not necessarily in the way that you, CJ, have, but there are myriad ways of contemplating its effect on you and also the dialogue you can have with it as a presence in your life. And I'd like to thank you for coming on. It was great to have you. Thank you very much for having me, Kip. Really enjoyed it. Of course. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. 
So if you have any thoughts, comments, opinions, or feedback of any kind, or perhaps you have personal and intimate knowledge of what insomnia is like, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to connect with you. And you can find us on Twitter or on Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to and reviewing the show, as well as recommending it to those you think might also get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.